temper tantrums to crying cancel culture are everywhere. In the news, on social media, and now even in our government. But what's really going on? A new podcast demystifies the panic and dispels the many myths about cancel culture. It's called Cancel Me Daddy. It's hosted by Caitlin Burns, the very first openly transgender reporter on Capitol Hill, and our very own Oliver Ash Klein, who's actually my producer here on Brave Not Perfect and one of the founding members of the Trans Journalists Association. Caitlin and Oliver Ash shed light on what they call the cancel culture grift economy, delving into the latest scandals, laughing at the most outrageous takes, and taking a closer look at whose voices are actually being silenced in these conversations. It's fascinating, funny, and often surprising show that I think you're really gonna enjoy. Subscribe to Cancel Me Daddy right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you might get canceled. Hey, it's Reshma. Welcome to Brave Not Perfect. I want to help you break away from the cult of perfect so you can fear less, fail more, and live bolder. And today, we're going to get brave about our fitness. I'm so excited. So if you've been meaning to get to that Pilates class, start going on some runs, or something else to help you just get up and get moving, this is the week you're going to do it. And Jessamine Stanley, she's got some advice to help you out. She is incredible. She's an internationally recognized yoga teacher and body positivity advocate. Jessamine, well, she's been doing the Lord's work and pushing to make yoga more inclusive. As part of that, she wrote the book, Everybody Yoga, Let Go of Fear, Get on the Mat, Love Your Body. I am so thrilled to share our conversation about fitness, body positivity, and making space for yourself. I want to start and talk to you a little bit about your journey into yoga. I know I have this thing with yoga. I love uh, Shavasana, but for so long when I would go to yoga, I would just, I'd feel really intimidated. Uh, I'm not a skinny white woman. And a lot of what I would see in my yoga studio were women who, quite frankly, didn't look like me. And I know that you've pushed a lot for visibility and changing that. When did you start doing yoga? And did you see, did you feel like you belonged in that space the first time you went? (laughs) I absolutely did not feel as though I belonged, even in the lobby of the yoga studio when I first started. The first time I went, I was 16. My aunt was, it was the summer she was obsessed with Bikram yoga. And she was like, oh my God, Jessamine, it's going to change your life. It's going to be amazing. And I, so I walked in with these expectations that I was going to immediately just you know, I think fart rainbows and really just see the universe in a new way. And what actually happened is that I was one of the only fat bodied people at that time. I was definitely one of the younger people in the class. And and I didn't see any black people in the room. I mean, other than my aunt, it was just us and a sea of white people. And I mean, to be frank, that was very much how I expected for yoga to be. And I think that the idea that yoga Yoga is only for a thin, white, cisgender, heterosexual, like uh, affluent person is what keeps many people from even, you know, 
attempting to practice. And it's so interesting because yoga, it has absolutely nothing to do with what your body physically looks like. It's really to prepare your mind and your spirit for the fact that your body will always change and that you have to find a way to still be present in life amidst all of the changes that will inevitably occur. And I think that because so much of yoga culture is enmeshed with fitness culture, that there's very little understanding of anything that I was just talking about. I think that people tend to think that like yoga is a fitness thing and and maybe there's some, you know, spiritual quote like spiritual benefits, but that's not the reason that you would go day after day. And as a result, the industry caters to the people who have the most disposable income to um, prioritize that kind of practice in their life. And so I think that's why there's so many of us don't see ourselves um, in the yoga mainstream. But when you actually go to studios, I mean, especially now, the they're much more diverse in terms of like who is physically in the classes the teachers might not be that diverse and the studios uh, themselves the administration might not be that diverse but the studentship um, can tend can be a little bit more now and I think that it's because there is a there is growing visibility around the fact that yoga truly not as a catchphrase is for everybody yeah, it's wild because I know when I got my first look at yoga, it was in India, right? right? And and when I would go to yoga studios here, I'm a Hindu, and I would always be appalled at like the Krishna statue and the Ganesha statue. Like you didn't put God statues of gods in the way that they were positioned in yoga studios. So that was always um, incredibly like unsettling and like, you know, it was like the fetishization of our culture. But and that was hard enough. Right? I can and only then, imagine. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but like, I'm just, no. oh my goodness. Like I, okay. I'm not going to please continue with what you were saying. Please. <laughs> but brave not perfect. Now, when I go to yoga studio and I see that, I actually go up and I say something about it. Oh um, yes. Oh yes. Street team. So. Yes. I love that so much. It's important. It was hard in the beginning. It's imperative, though. Cultural appropriation is so normalized. I can only, I really can only speak to America. Like, so I don't want to, I don't want to throw this on Mm. any other countries, but in America, cultural appropriation is so normalized that people will like, get in your face for questioning something like no one has an understanding of Sanskrit and the history of how it has been used in India to like lift up certain groups of people. And I mean, I don't want to pretend to be a historian here, but I know enough to know that I don't have any business utilizing that language if that's something that is not a part of my culture. But there is no understanding of that in the community at large. It's seen as um, it's seen as a way to make your practice seem stronger, that you know all of these words in Sanskrit and to just use them right. at random all the time and to write them and to, to have script on your arms and all of these things are totally yeah. normalized. And I just feel like it's so imperative for people to, if you see something, say something. So I was literally, as yeah. you were saying that, I was just like, yes, yes, this pump, I'm here for it. 
I remember it was like in a yoga class and someone said, you know, get that Kali bitch. And I'm like, what? what? You do not talk about God that way, right? And so it's, but you're right. Like in some of it, it's it's a way for the teacher to feel like she or he is very down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And now they're an expert because they're using words and they have a sense of comfort about it. Uh, so, and, and I'm so, uh, thank you so much because you talk a lot about appropriation when it comes to yoga and so like what advice do you have for people who want to practice in a more like socially conscious way so one of the reasons that I did not end up really deepening my own yoga practice for years like it was years before I really started to um like do the kind of research that has led me to feel differently about practicing and I think that that comes from people feeling like I don't know enough about this like I don't know is this a spiritual practice is this is this rooted in religion is it Hinduism am I saying that as a as I practice yoga that I'm am I Hindu like how how does that work and I think that because of this and there's a lot of reasons why people don't do this research and I think honestly it it comes back to racism at the end of the day and we can have a much deeper conversation about that but I think that Um, If you want to understand the history of yoga, then it's important to just like actually do the research. Don't just be like, oh, well, I don't know enough about this, so I'm just going to do the exercising part. No, like crack a book. And I mean, this is the time when I'm sure my publisher would say that I should mention that I wrote a book that can lead you down this road. But even beyond that, there are so many resources that you can find that just to give you a glimpse into it. But even beyond that, you yoga transcends any particular culture ultimately because it is about looking within yourself legit practicing yoga should bring everybody back to their own culture of origin because you should just be looking back in within yourself so I would say that if you feel that you are finding like a spiritual connection to the practice but you can't quite put your finger on it don't think that appropriating uh South Asian culture is the way to put your to put your finger on it. The way to do it is to actually like sit in emotion, use your practice as a vehicle for true um, emotional understanding. Like don't don't run from the harder moments of the practice. Don't feel that there is, you know, some pair of leggings that you can purchase or or some retreat that you can go on not there's nothing that you can acquire that can give you more than just truly trying to use the perhaps it's just the physical practice but using that practice as a gateway to understanding yourself because that will you won't run the risk of appropriating anything (laughs) like you're you're really going to start to understand yourself and that's the whole point of practicing yoga and I don't know if that was too esoteric and it was like like out there and you're like "Ah." that's powerful I I do want to um you mentioned your book and you wrote a book in about how yoga helped you get your body confidence um and helped you on that journey can you talk about that a bit absolutely so When I first started posting about my yoga practice on social media, I had a lot of people reach out to me like, um, 
yeah, Jessamine, can you tell me how to practice yoga? Or like, you know, like, Jessamine, how do I start doing this? I see that you're practicing yoga, but, you know, how do I just make it happen? And I would always be like, why are you emailing me this question? Like, I am so confused because honestly, there are so many books on this topic. If you type this question into Google, you could have, instead of emailing me, you could get the information that you needed. But then whenever I would Google yoga, I would walk away just as confused as other people. I'd be like, is it a religion? Is it, is it, are there different, what's the deal with all the different types? Is there a special mat that I need to get? And I was like, somebody just needs to write down how to do this, like how to just begin a practice from scratch from the bookstore, if you were standing in Barnes and Noble and you open up the book, you will find out exactly what you need to do to get your practice going. It's not too heavy on history, very heavy in um, postures and sequences, but it's definitely meant to be the best friend who is really into yoga and wants to give you a helping hand. So I want to talk about your advocacy with, about body positivity. Like, how did that come about? I came to be familiar with body positivity through Live Journal and Tumblr and a lot of like um, fat positivity and fat acceptance writers. But through the practice of photographing my yoga practice, I began to understand how hateful I am toward my body and how um the negative things that I say and think about myself have a profound impact on the way that I walk through this world. And that definitely deepened this body positivity journey for me. But I say that I advocate for body positivity because to me... I am advocating for it just through walking around in my life. Like I'm I'm obviously an example of this and it's almost like an unintentional advocacy. But I don't find myself that attached to body positivity as a concept because I think that it's too small ultimately for what really needs to happen um, for all human beings. I think it's a step beyond mm. just being positive about your body. I think that there has to be a reclamation of self truly to understand that we are autonomous, liberated beings and that within ourselves, we are, we have the freedom that we're, constantly looking outside ourselves for and yeah. I think that body positivity to me is like the the egg and that body liberation is the spirit that can come out of the egg because I <clears throat> I think that when we see ourselves um for the fullness and the um the wholeness whenever we uh, see and accept the cracks and the fading and the um, and the breaks and the the complicated pieces of ourselves. That ultimately we're accepting a fullness of ourselves. That is just it's really understanding ourselves as free beings, and that that really is just liberation. It's so powerful. You say that I am. Um, 
I was on my book tour in Brazil and I was on a panel with um, a body positivity activist and she was saying something like I, I, I was a fat kid growing up and probably for my whole life I've struggled with my weight and I don't like to look at myself sometimes in the mirror uh, because I know I'm going to judge myself mm. or I'm not going to see what I actually look like, if that makes sense. And she was saying on the panel, like, you know, have you ever really looked at yourself? I mean, mm-hmm. really stood there fully naked in front of the mirror and just looked at yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you never really look at yourself, how can you love yourself? Mm. And if you don't really love yourself, how can you change the world? How can you, you know what I mean? How can you do all, all these things that kind of we're setting out to do uh, as women, as activists, as mothers, as, you know, as lovers? And it was really, really, really profound because I think so much of our imposter syndrome or our self-hating as women starts from like our judgment of what we look like. Mm-hmm. You know, most women think about their bodies or their weight, something like what, a hundred times a day? Mm-hmm. Um and if you're constantly have that negative negative self-talk happening in your mind and in your head, like you just said, how could you truly be free? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, exactly. So, oh, I had so much to say through all of that. I wish I'd been taking notes, but just uh, on the <laughs> opposite. <laughs> so um, the idea of really looking at yourself, that was 100% of how like taking photos of my yoga practice changed my life. I wrote about this in Everybody Yoga. The experience of being fully in the frame of a photo was a brand new concept to me. Like there are whole years of my life where there are just like a couple of photos of me because I ducked out photos I did not want to see myself at all. Like I would avoid mirrors, avoid reflective surfaces, like intentionally not trying to take myself in. And that even if I was in a mirror or in a photo, it's only one part of me. It's like maybe, maybe a head, like you can get like a cropped headshot or like a maybe like knees tucked together always hiding myself and the yoga the being in the yoga postures in the photos meant that my body had to be splayed open it had to be exposed and it was the first time that I really like looked at myself like for real and I think that perhaps it seems like um, when you were saying it, I was like, oh, my God, I feel you. I feel you. And then I think I wonder if there's someone who's like, I can't understand that. Like, how could you not look at yourself? And I think, mm. I mean, maybe you've never been made to feel as though your body shouldn't exist then. And I can't imagine that. So I don't know, you know, maybe, but that seems just as plausible that, that someone has never had that experience. But that's the only experience I know. And I think it's the only experience that many people know is being taught to believe that you are fundamentally wrong that the way that you are is not good it's bad it's problematic and that you need to spend the entirety of your time on this earth fixing it and that's why Mm. there are so many women who think about their body that many times a day because they're like this is this is why I'm here is to, to fix this problem mm-hmm. and or to or to maintain the way that I have finally managed to get it to be. And and I think that more than anything, if we can accept that everyone is having that experience, uh, low key have never met anyone who is not 
have some kind of body issue like it does it knows no gender identity no skin color like everybody has issues and I think that if we can accept that everyone is having that experience we can just at least be a little bit more loving toward ourselves and then be more loving toward each other as a result so how could listeners follow and support your work so you can follow me at my name is Jessamine on social media and you can go to jessaminestanley.com to find out about my classes, my books, my podcast. And if you want to practice yoga with me, you can go to theunderbelly.com. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk and I hope we get a chance to meet in person. And I'm super grateful for your time. Oh, same. Thanks for uh, having me. And it was lovely chatting. You just listened to a conversation that I had with Jessamine Stanley. She's a yoga teacher, author, and body positivity advocate. In just a minute, I'm going to answer some really thoughtful questions you've been sending in. So stay tuned. So business casual means different things to different people. It could be slacks and a blazer or a blouse and a skirt. Are heels required? Fortunately, the business casual podcast from Morning Brew is much more straightforward. Each episode is this honest conversation with business leaders about the questions, trends, and issues that are shaping our world. It's hosted by Kinsey Grant, and she doesn't shy away from tough topics. I know that firsthand because she and I recently sat down to talk about the gender gap in tech, and it got really real. Kinsey has tackled big issues with some of the biggest names in business, from discussing gender equality at work and impact-driven investing with Sally Krawcheck, to the future of tech journalism with Kara Swisher. If you're interested in the intersection of business and culture, and if you're a fan of Brave Not Perfect, you gotta tune into Business Casual by Morning Brew. You won't regret it. Subscribe to Business Casual wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, now it's time for the advice portion of the show. Joining me to share the questions you've been sending in is my incredible producer, Ashley. Hey, Reshma, let's get started. So a few of our listeners have been wondering how to use the Brave Not Perfect philosophy to start their health journey, especially when they have failed before. <laughs> the Brave Not Perfect philosophy is perfect for your for your health journey. Um, you know, I always say that like so many women I know, like they won't even go to the gym till they're fit, right? Like the perfectionism in us really gets in the way of like starting kind of are, you know, exercise routines or eating healthier or making that doctor's appointment. And so don't let that happen, right? Just start, right? Just put it on your calendar, go to that yoga class, go for a walk, whatever that is, right? Just start. Yeah, and I think that failure is a big part of the Brave Not Perfect philosophy. So like if you fall off for a while, if you haven't, you know, if you've failed before, you can just hop back on, start doing it again. Shake it off. Listen, I often fail and I don't let that put me into like a spiral of bad decisions. Just shake it off, get back out. Yeah, and I think, so one thing that I know about myself is I hate exercising. Like I just hate it. I won't do it unless I'm excited about it. And so I try to find activities that work for me. Um, my partner and I just started some roller derby, which I'm very excited oh God, about. That's awesome. <laughs> 
Um, and I've like in the past I've done dancing things like that so like I'm never gonna go for a run I'm just never gonna be that person and so kind of finding things that really work for you in your life I think is important yeah because like I like I love working out and I love to run like that when I run it's like I'm meditating like it's when I get my do my best thinking it's when I put on my music and feel like I'm in a club like it's when I have fun and so absolutely like exercise has got to be fun for you or you're never gonna stick with it so good luck and um, be forgiving to yourself. It's a journey. Yeah, definitely. So our next question is one I think a lot of folks struggle with. One listener wrote in saying they're scared to go to the gym and always feel like the people who are regulars judge them. And I'm wondering what advice you have mm. for getting past that. Yeah, I totally get it. This is how I feel when I go to yoga class. I feel like everyone there is super thin and lean and they're wearing like their short, I don't know, exercise tops. And I just feel like I'm the one that the teacher's always coming over and fixing and I feel frumpy and not athletic or lean or any of those things. And I find that sometimes I will spend most of my class feeling bad about myself rather than just being present. And, you know, what I've what I've done is just acknowledge that I'm feeling that way and to try to move past it and um, to keep going and to, like, not let it deter me. And I've noticed that I've, as I've started doing that, I've kind of cared less. I've looked around at the other people less. I've, like, stopped judging myself as much. And I've really gotten into allowing myself to enjoy yoga and its benefits. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is advice that's easier said than done. But if anyone is actually thinking that, they're a jerk. And, like, who cares what they think, you know? There's some statistic I read where, like, women think about their bodies 80% of the, like, 80 times a day or something insane. Like, we all judge ourselves. We all judge ourselves. Even people you may not think are judging themselves are. Like, we live in a society of, like, bad talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So chances are the people that you think are looking at you are probably too busy looking at themselves. So good luck. You belong. You belong, you belong, you belong. And so get on that journey. Don't worry about what other people think. And just focus on how you're going to feel after this experience. Yeah, you have definitely got this. You belong there. Go do what you need to do for yourself. Um, okay, so our next question is one that I relate to a lot. Um <laughs> Someone wrote in saying that they want to try yoga, but they don't have any balance. Mm. And they're worried about not being good at all and just making a complete fool of themselves in class. Ugh, I relate to this too. I feel like Ashley, you and I got to go to yoga class together. You know what I like about yoga? I don't know if you feel this way, but like there's really different poses for different people and different places where they're at. And I, I do feel like when everyone's doing a handstand or headstand or whatever it is, and I do child's pose, like it's okay. Totally. Right? But I think it is, the importance is finding a yoga class where you feel comfortable and that there are kind of different people with different um, levels of experience. Absolutely. And when I was going to yoga, um, I found that my balance got a lot better. I was still the worst one in the class, every class, but it got a lot better. Yeah. So, you know, I think that if you start going, you're going to find yourself, like, the poses are going to get easier to do. You're totally right. Like, I'm shocked at some of the things that I can do now that I definitely couldn't do, uh, like, a year ago. Yeah, and I'm actually, so I used to do yoga a lot, and I'm struggling getting back to it right now um, because I had carpal tunnel for a year, and so I just, I stopped doing it. Wow. 
And so every time I go to class, I can't hold plank. I can't do any of the poses for, for that long even because my hands just aren't as strong. Um, and like another thing is that like my understanding of cultural appropriation has grown a lot since I did yoga. You know, I think it's really important to practice respectfully. So I'm really excited to get Jessamine's book so I can learn more about that and be more confident going and knowing that I'm practicing in a respectful way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't wait to read it too. Good luck. I know I have, I think you're going to have the same experience that Ashley and I have had. Um, and, you know, you're going to, you're going to end up really loving yoga and feeling less judgmental of yourself uh, in terms of your skill set and your balance ability. And you're going to get better. Okay. Well, Rashma, that is all of the time we have for questions today. Um, I know you love getting these questions so much. So how can listeners send them in? They can send me an email at bravenotperfect at girlsucode.com or send me a voicemail at 347-76-BRAVE. I cannot wait to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's show? Then I think you would probably love the Brave Not Perfect Facebook group. It's a wonderful and supportive community where everyone just lifts each other up and encourages one another to be brave. And it's super easy to find. Just look up Brave Not Perfect on Facebook. On another note, I want to shout out Jessamine Stanley's new podcast. It's called Dear Jessamine. If you like today's interview with her, you'll probably be a fan of her advice show, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up on the next episode of Brave Not Perfect, Rushma has an incredibly down-to-earth conversation with the fabulous comedian Cameron Esposito. Like, you're just a person and marriages just end sometimes. And it's awful also. And it's not something that that I can control by being cool or gay or queer or having the right haircut or the coolest jacket. This has been one of my favorite episodes that we've been working on, and I promise you, you're not going to want to miss out. So tune in. Brave Not Perfect comes out every other Tuesday. Today's show was put together by me, your executive producer, Ashley Dejan, with help from Tanya Zaporonik and Charlotte Stone, my co-producers, and we, of course, couldn't do it without the support of Deborah Singer and Jenny Josephson. I also want to give a big shout out to Alyssa Klein, who's been doing a great job helping us get the word out on social media. See you soon.